hour of the week where we're diving into God's Word and discussing not only God's Word and how it applies to your life, but how God's Word is still relevant today. And I believe today more than ever, we're seeing scriptures fulfilled. We're seeing God's plan come to fruition of his original intent for mankind to walk in blessings and health like never before. And we believe that the greatest revival has yet to be seen, that the world has ever seen. We're we're on the precipice of the greatest move of God that this world, this nation has ever seen. And we're excited about it. And we want you to be ready. No matter what the world's saying, no matter what's going on in the world, God has an answer. God has a remedy for whatever you're facing and whatever's going on in the world. If we'll just dive into it and learn, God has an answer for whatever the need is in your life. So again, thank you. Uh, last week, we we got into a discussion about the deconstruction of the Christian culture and um we got a lot of uh, feedback, uh, and I, I I really enjoyed that. You know, uh, a lot of the we had a few that are a little sarcastic, and that's okay. But there were several that got on and went further into a discussion, and they were respectful. And you know, that's the great thing uh, that I, I I enjoy is is dialogue. You know, uh, we can agree to disagree. Uh, we can discuss and share our uh, our opinions and our beliefs, and we can do it in an agreeable way. In other words, we can disagree but be agreeable about it. And some of these people, uh, like I say, I appreciate their comments and their dialogue. They were very respectful. And some points that they brung out, I, I can see why they feel the way they do. And... Having said that, because some of these things were very important, I, I was talking with Josh, and Josh had talked talk with me about it, and we believe that tonight we want to go back with several of these statements or questions that were made, and uh, we, we just want to talk about them a little bit, go a little bit further into depth, because I believe that this is part of the deconstruction um, one of the people said that, you know, deconstruction was is, was going in and, and changing your mindset. Well, you know, and said that I had the definition wrong. Well, if, if you have a mindset that's one way and you change it, that means it was constructed this way. But because of what you've learned, you have tore down that belief system and reconstructed your belief system into another way. So, you know, I still believe that we're, we're on the right path here. And, you know, some deconstruction, like I said last week, is a good thing. 
you know, there's there's viewpoints that you may have, and uh, they may be well-intentioned, but you may begin to discuss it with other people, and, and you may begin to see things different. Now, I do preface that by saying that anything that you deconstruct or reconstruct, either way, it has to be founded upon the Word of God. You have to have the Bible for it. Don't tear down things that the Bible has built up. Don't tear down the foundations that the Bible have be, that has built for us to stand on. You know, and and don't build on things that are not biblically sound and biblically based. So tonight we're going to go through. There's about seven questions that we went through uh, comments that were made. And again, we're not here to throw shade. We're not even going to name the people that made these comments. Uh, because we're not here to to, to argue, uh, we're just here to talk a little more about this and how that yes, the church is not perfect. I, I want to throw that out there. Some of you, it may shock you, but the church is not perfect. But the church is a place for imperfect people to come and worship a perfect God. I miss it. Josh misses it. You that are watching online. You've all missed it, and I got a news flash. It won't be the last time. We're going to make mistakes. We're human. Uh, but the thing is, God has established an avenue through his son Jesus with grace and mercy that is the forgiveness of sins, and we can miss it. We can ask for forgiveness. God is faithful and just to forgive us, and then we can move on into the things of God so that we grow and mature in those things. So we're going to start out. Josh has got the questions and, and we're just going to have kind of an open dialogue conversation tonight about some of these topics, uh, that these people had suggested or, or were talking about and just see kind of where we go from it. And hopefully, you know, it'll help enlighten, uh, those of you that are watching on some of these things so that maybe when you are questions with this, uh, you, you could have a ready answer for it. Are you ready to go, Josh? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. So one question that came in, and I just want to say to also to the listening audience tonight, that if y'all got questions, please hit them in the comments. We'll, we'll try to respond to those as well. So, uh, again, first question, though, that came up, Wes, was uh, one person mentioned that they had wasted 40 years on Christianity, and they sort of feel like they were stuck in the quicksand of Christianity. Do we want to delve into that question for the number one question tonight? Yeah, I... I, the guy or, or the person, I don't know if it was a male or female, uh, you know, that said that they uh, wasted 40 years of their life. You know, my heart actually goes out to that person because there's so many people that have wasted years of their life in church, not understanding fully the things of God. And they felt like, like this guy or this person said, that they were in the quicksand of Christianity. When you look at a lot of the modern church, when you look at the concept of church in the modern era, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of worldly attributes that have been pushed in, have merged with the church. Some good, some bad. You know, they're not all good. But you know, I, I know of a story. Uh, that my dad told, he, he went and prayed for a lady. And I don't remember if she was Baptist, Methodist. I, I can't remember 
uh, denomination is not really the point, but uh, she pray, he prayed with her, but before he prayed with her for healing, and I think it was she had cataracts or something over her eyes, but he, he began to give her scriptures about healing, and it was God's will to heal. And you see, I, I think a lot of times people miss it because they hear what God will do. They, they get told, God will do this for you. God will do that. But they don't have Bible to back it up. And you have to have that word. Everywhere Jesus went, before he done major miracles and healings, he always taught teaching the true word of God is necessary. And I believe that a lot of churches today, we've missed the mark when it comes to teaching the unadulterated, unfiltered word of God. Everybody loves to go to a church where you're shouting and hollering and slapping your neighbor high fives and the preacher's modulating up with the key keyboard playing behind him and everybody's shouting and feeling good. And then they want to come, you know, when the, the spirit manifests and there's miracle signs and wonders, and that's all well and good. But those things alone will not sustain you. They will not keep you. It is the teaching of the word of God that will sustain you. And this lady, after he shared those scriptures and prayed with her, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this story, so I know my mom and dad are at home watching online, so I apologize if I butcher it. I'm just wanting to get the, the meat of it here. But this lady be, began to receive her healing, and she she looked back, her eyes got wide, and she said, well, well, well I can see. I, I, I can see. And she told my dad in tears, she said, I've been to church all of my life, and no one ever told me that Jesus loved me that much and would do that for me. So you see, there's so many people out there. How many more besides her have wasted time in church, being frustrated, not being taught that there's so much more to salvation than just being saved? Being saved is enough because that's what, and it's the main part. It gets us into eternity. But God does not want us to live here frustrated. He does not want us to live here broke and in, with a poverty mentality. He does not want us to live in sickness. Salvation has afforded us so much more. But there's a lot of people that get caught up into the modern church without the teaching of God's word, the foundation. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So you have to first and foremost, build off of that cornerstone. If you build off of anything other than Jesus and him crucified and risen again, then, then, then you, you're building on a foundation that when things are shaking, it will crumble. And I believe that that's what a lot of people have walked in, and I believe that's where this guy says, or this person said they were stuck in quicksand. If you get into wrong doctrine, if you get into a, a church that's not biblically sound and doctrinally based, you know, then you can get in a place where you love God, but you feel stuck. Like the church is pulling you in, but nothing, nothing is manifesting for you. Nothing's happening for you. And, you know, sad to say, but there's a lot of times these things happen. And there may be some of you watching online that you may say, you may raise your hand in the comments, say, I'm a witness, I've been there. 
you know, but the one thing we have, we strive to do here at Gleaning Mission is we teach the word of God. The Bible says to be instant in season and out of season. That means contrary to popular, uh, I don't know what you, you know, whatever the norms are for, for the, the culture that you're in, uh, you know, you have to preach the word of God. And that's one thing. And this, we, I'm kind of being careful here because we could probably make a whole podcast just off of that one question. But to be instant in season and out, you see, in our day and time now, the church is now accepting homosexuality as a norm. Well, the society accepts it as a norm, but the word of God doesn't. So you have to look at that, uh, the transgenderism and pedophilia, these things that the world are trying to normalize and make acceptable, the church, because they're worried about size and numbers and money coming in, the church has manipulated its doctrine and it's removed that chief cornerstone. And they've got it to where now there's a lot of churches that are accepting them. They're even allowing them in the pulpits. And we can't have that. That is unacceptable because any way you slice it or dice it, homosexuality, transgenderism, pedophilia, these things are a sin. They're an abomination to God. And I can't change that. But then on the other spectrum of that, on the whole other side, you've got denominations, uh, you know, that preach against homosexuality but they and transgenderism and ped, they do it with hate. And the problem is that there's wrongs on both ends of that spectrum and we have to get in the middle of the road with this and we have to preach against the sin, but we have to love the sinner because whether you like it or not, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, that's you and I, that's everyone from, from uh, Jesus' time all the way until now. From then, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So those that are living in that sin, Christ died for them. He loves them just like he does us. So we have to portray that same love to them, but not accept their sin as something that, well, you just go on and do that. It's okay. God loves you anyway. Because at the end of the day, we're going to stand accountable to God and there'll be no dialogue then. There'll be no discussions and there'll be no apologetics to discuss the depths of Scripture and what they mean. We'll stand before God one day and be held accountable for did we live for him or did we shun him? So, you know, I can see where this person has been frustrated and my heart goes out to them but what I would say to them is you've got to settle it in your heart that Jesus is Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then find a Bible-based church, a Bible-believing church that teaches the whole Word of God all the way from Genesis to Revelations, or like one preacher said, from Job to Malachi. He has to teach that Word of God unadulterated and unfiltered. All right, you ready for question two? Question two. Question two. So in this one, uh, they asked today, today's younger people won't have, um, they also can see the contradictions and the morality problems that are going on in the, in the world today. 
Right. I think, uh, and I, I messed that up, so I apologize to you on that one, Josh, but the the person commented and said that he what they were talking about was today's younger people won't have to deal with Christianity uh, like the previous generations did because of technology. They can search out the truths um, of life for themselves, and they won't get caught up into the contradictions and the morality problems. And, you know, part of what he says or that person says, I, I understand what they're saying because you know, for a period of time, every time we turned around, there was a pastor that was caught in some kind of scandal, whether it was sexual immorality, whether they were cooking the books and padding their pockets, uh, you know, all of these different things they were doing. And, you know, it hurt a lot of people because what happens is, and we talked about this a little bit last week, was uh, pastors that get a, a celebrity mentality or a, a celebrity aura around them that, that they're high up and they're on a pedestal above the people. Well, I have a news flash. I'm no different and no pastor watching. And if there's any other preachers watching, there's none of us set up on a pedestal. I am actually, when I'm called to be a pastor, I am called to a high calling and I'm held to a higher accountability than the average Christian because my words, what I preach, people follow, and I'll be held accountable to that. But that does not put me up on a pedestal to think that I'm better than anybody else and that I can manipulate and I can uh, coerce people with Scripture to and manipulate them to do things that are not of God and to do things that are wrong. And, you know, a lot of that has happened and, you know, I know of one person I think of uh, that uh, a lot of people will know was Jim Baker. You know, when Jim Baker fell years later while he was in prison, some of y'all will know John Brevere, who uh, I, I follow and read all of his material. Um, he actually went in and, and talked with, John, uh, with uh, uh, Jim Baker. And he asked Jim Baker, he said, when did you fall out of love with Jesus. And he said, because of the sin and the fall that happened with Jim Baker. And he said, I never did. He said, I loved him the whole time. I just lost my fear of God, which is the reverence knowing that God, God is God. You know, and I heard another minister say that, uh, God is the only boss that will fire you and let you keep working, you know? And sometimes I look out today and I wonder how many pastors have been warned how many pastors have been uh, talked to by other ministers and other uh, spiritual leaders that have warned them, but yet they didn't heed the warning because they thought they had reached an untouchable status. And now they're working, but God is not there. You know, they're a church without a spiritual father. And, you know, our, our generations have grew up seeing that. And, yes, a lot of people have been hurt. And with all the other things that are going on in the world, there's so many things that people can do besides church. You know, there's so many activities, so many things are threw up in our faces. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Till yes, the younger generation has been brought up to see or to, to think that church 
is only imported if I have time. Instead of the only way I'm going to miss church on Sunday is if A, they're not having it, or B, I'm not feeling well and can't go, or C, I've took a family vacation. Other than that, church is everything to me. And some people say, well, yeah, but you're a pastor. Well, I hadn't always been. But I've always, always wanted to be at church. I grow here. I feel encouraged here. I'm strengthened here. You know, so I've I've seen those churches that, that manipulate and hurt people, but I have been fortunate and blessed as well as Josh has and a lot of you watching online. We 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 grow here. I have grown so much uh, at Gleaning Mission Church, more so than if I would have, I believe, anywhere else. We've seen more miracles uh, happen at this church than any that I can think of. People being healed of cancer. Uh, you know, we had a seven-year, or a, I mean, a two-year-old little girl that drowned and died seven times. Doctor had given up on them, but we prayed for that little girl and she lived. Then the doctor said, well, she, she, she may live, but it's going to be a long road to recovery. But yet in the span of three weeks from that girl drowning to dying seven times in the span of three weeks, she was at home well eating cake with her brother. That's God. So you, you can't tell me that church doesn't have an impact because the other thing is if you took church out, out of the American uh, streets. If you woke up tomorrow and there was no church found in the United States of America, this country would go under in less than a two-week period because the church feeds the hungry. The church helps people with uh, financial needs. We help The church helps with uh, school projects and community projects. The church is the wheel, I believe, that truly drives America. And a lot of people don't believe that, but I believe that is. And when this, this person said that, you know, uh, they won't, the younger generation won't have to worry about the church, but that's where I beg to differ because I believe, and I believe it's going to happen, uh, you know, in the next year, 2024, 2025, I believe you're going to see one of the greatest revivals this world has ever seen, and it's going to be in our young people. The one thing that we are seeing is young people more than ever are tired of being lied to. Young people are tired of being told, I don't care what this person says, this is the way it is. They go to colleges and these professors just tell, spout and spew all this garbage, this nonsense, and call it education, and it's not. And these kids are, you, there's something on the inside of them going, wait a minute, this is not right. This does not make sense. And we're seeing kids turn back to the word of God like never before. And with the age of the internet, you don't have to have a professor to tell you this is what it is. You don't even have to have a preacher to tell you what it is. Get in the word of God. You know, I heard a, a guy told me last night about somebody that told him that, uh, you know, he was tired of hearing churches that are always, don't, don't take my word for it, just, you know, read the Bible. And this preacher said, I'm tired of hearing that. Well, that's a slam on the word of God because the Bible plainly says that we have a more sure word, which is the written word of God, than if a prophet spoke it or an angel came down and said it himself. 
If that happens and it does not line up with the word of God, then you cast it off. The word of God is true from the foundations of the world, and the word of God has not changed. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we understand that, and when this younger generation, they're starting to see that. They're wanting people to tell them, hey, this is not right. Here's what God's word says, because the morality of our nation, the culture of our nation, the temperature of our nation has gotten so uh, sickening with you know the morality issue because we, we don't want to believe that there's a moral lawgiver. We don't want to believe that there's a higher power that has set laws in motion. But yet we have to believe that there's a right and a wrong. Well, what's right for me in the natural and what's right for you in the natural may be two different things. You know, so what's right for me is wrong for you and wrong for me is right for you. That puts everything like we talked about last week in a gray area. And when you look at the American culture, that is what we live in. Everything is a gray area, you know, because you look back in the 80s, I mean, you would have never dreamed in the 70s and into the 80s and even especially before that of seeing the garbage and the disgust that you see on late night TV or regular TV now. You know, uh, you would never have seen a half-dressed woman or or a sexual scene on on regular TV. But now in every show, whether it's hospital shows or whatever it is, that's all they're doing. And then there's, if, even if it's a, an action movie, it seems lately there's more sex and every once in a while they go shoot people and then they go back and there's more sex. And then if it's a doctor scene, they'll operate a little bit and then they're going to have sex. We've driven our nation into an area where there is no right and wrong. There is no black and white. You know, it's, everything's gray. And people are getting tired of it. People are sensing that these things are not right. So I believe, to con you know, to disagree with that, that comment that that person said, yes, there's morality problems and there's been contradictions in the church, but God is raising up a remnant. And that remnant is reconstructing the original intent of what the church is supposed to be. And you say, what is that? Well, go to Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2 in Acts chapter 3, and you will begin to see what the original intent of the church is. All right, third question is, uh, and let me make sure I'm phrasing this right, is disbelief is not a sin. Yeah, um, the comment was made that they didn't agree with if they disbelieve in God, that that's not a sin. And to disbelieve in God, well, the bottom line is, and this gray. is, yeah, I mean, that, that that's a gray area that they're trying to clump this in, but bottom line is, I, and I can, because it, it, this one's black and white, you can't, there's no gray area here. The Bible says that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. When everything's said and done, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And there's no in-betweens. 
You don't get a reprieve. You don't get a do-over. You don't get to explain yourself. You don't get to make an explanation. And you can't bring in a note from your parents on why or your boss on why this should be this way. You can't hire a lawyer. It's either heaven or hell. So when you talk about disbelief is not a sin, to disbelieve that there is a God, you're going to miss heaven. You're not going to make heaven. So to me, that's a great sin. You have to believe that there is a God, and you have to believe that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave, free gift, gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. How simple is that? You have to believe on Jesus, not disbelieve. You have to believe on Jesus, and when you do, you'll have everlasting life. And the problem is a lot of people want to think there is a heaven, but they want to push away the, the fact that if they miss it, there's a hell. And, you know, I, I remember a minister said this one time, and it really, it really shook me, and this was many years ago, and I didn't even, I, or I, if I had kids, they were both very little, but he said, you know, that, that what's worse than going to hell? And I'm thinking, there ain't nothing worse than going to hell. I mean, when you read about hell, I mean, there's, there's a, a flame that never dies, pain that never ends. I mean, it, it, it's, it's horrible for eternity. But he said, what's worse than going to hell is when you're in hell and your children walk up to you in pain and in anguish and say, Daddy, why didn't you tell me there was a hell? Why didn't you tell me that there was pain? Why didn't you tell me that there was a way of escape from all of this? And that really shook me. And he said, but what's better than going to heaven? And I thought, well, man, nothing. What could be better than going to heaven? But what's better than going to heaven is when your children walk up to you and hug your neck and say, thank you, daddy, for telling me about Jesus. Thank you for telling me that there was a way of escape where I could live in eternity with my heavenly father. So you see, at the end of it all, we could argue now all different disbeliefs and theories and, and all this other stuff, and we could sit here and burn endless hours. But bottom line is there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. So if you choose to disbelieve that there is a God, then you know I feel sorry for you. And it may be that you disbelieve in God because you have been to churches that have manipulated the gospel They've, they've tried to control the people. They've hurt you. Maybe they've hurt the people of God. That's not the true church. That is not who God is and what Jesus is about. Jesus spent more time in, in the New Testament. Jesus spent more time with sinners than he did with those back then that were supposedly of the temple, the Sadducees and Pharisees. Why? Because they had gotten, just like we see today, we've gotten churches, denominations that think that they know it all and they have all the answers, but they failed to take God at his word. They've manipulated. Well, this part of the Bible is not for today. Says who? <laughs> you know, if a person tells me that the scripture is not for today, then I don't believe it because if it's in that book, then it's for today. From beginning to the end, all 
of the scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it is relevant for the day that we live in. So I urge you, if you you frustrated and don't believe there is a God, I pray right now that God would begin to reveal himself to you. God would put a hunger and a desire in you and he would put people in your path that could show you that there is a God, a one true living God, and he loves you, he cares for you more than you'll ever know, more than you could imagine. And all the disbelief, all the hurt, the anguish that you may have experienced, he can wipe it away with one encounter if you'll just surrender yourself to him. All right, next question. A uh, comment came across as churches are like Kohl's or other department stores. Target, I think, was brought up in there, and we're like chain stores. And I'd, I'd just like to say something to the viewing audience. Yes, there's a, a lot of churches. I know in the small county that we live in, I remember one time I looked, there was 120 churches. But let me say this as well. Not all churches are going to solely believe in and put their entirety on the Word of God. So I think finding a Bible-based church helps in this context of this scripture. Not all churches are the same. That's like grouping everybody. If we group the whole Christian segment, there's going to be different denominations that have a different beliefs in something. Even though they have the Word of God in front of them, the inherent Word of God, they're going to find some 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 difference some differences there. They just men uh, that have formulated this have always made that up. I'm gonna turn it over to you, Wes. Yeah. Um. In this comment, this 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 person. The story he was telling was that he went to a Coles to buy a part for his bike, his bicycle. He rides mountain bikes or, or bi some kind of bike like that, not a motorcycle, but a pedal bike. And um, they didn't have the part he needed, so he went to Trek, which is a – Trek is a bike manufacturer, and they also have some chain stores. And he was able to get the part he needed. And what he was relating that to was if I go to one church and don't get what I need – then why wouldn't I go to another church? Well, you know, and he was saying that churches are all, uh, you know, uh, what was it, nonprofit organizations, and we're run like businesses. Well, right. we are a nonprofit organization, no doubt about it. Now, we're not, our church, we're not a 501c3, uh, but, you know, we're not here for profit. We're not here to to, to build up a bunch of money. We, we get money. We do a lot of uh, 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 evangelism whether it be in India, uh, there's other ministries that we support, you know, but we, we've built churches in India. We've uh, uh, send monthly support there. We do stuff with Operation uh, Christmas Child with the shoeboxes. We support um, local uh, ministries here. Our money goes back out, you know, to, to spread the gospel. So, yes, we're a nonprofit. And there is an aspect, and this is a very touchy subject, that people say, well, you can't run a church like a business, and then some people say you, you have to run a church like a business. Well, on part of that, yes, there is a business side to a church because you have a budget, you have checkbook, you have payroll if you have people on staff, you have volunteers. There has to be accountability to people. There, you can't just come in and do any old thing you want to, even if you're a volunteer. There, there, there still has to be an accountability, you know. So there is a, a business side to it. You know, if me being pastor, if, if, if we're paying somebody 
uh, to do something, and or even if it's a volunteer that we've asked to do something, if they're not doing it within the guidelines and parameters that we've set, then we have to be able to go to that person and bring correction, and then they can fix it. Or if they're not willing to, you know, we have to let them go and find somebody else to do it. Well, that's the same way in a business. You know, you get warnings, you get corrected if you're doing something wrong, but if you don't listen, they'll let you go. So, you know, there is a business side to the church. I mean, bottom line there is. But when it comes to the actual ministry that we do, that part is not run like a business. That part, we preach, through. I, I would preach the word of God whether I had received any payment or not. Why? Because I, I, my focus is winning souls and letting people know that there is a God that loves them whether I get paid for it or not. And I believe when you take that attitude, I also believe the Bible says that my God shall supply all of my need. It didn't say that my God will supply all of my need through the church. So, you know, I don't, my trust and my emphasis on my finances and what I have is not based on the church. It's based on God. God called me to this. So if God called me to this, God will sustain me in this. You know, so there's part of that that's right. But at the same time, if you go to, if you come to our church and don't like what we preach and you go to the next church and you don't like what they preach and then you go to the next one and you don't like what they preach, well, it's just like chain stores. No, you're wrong. If you're jumping churches every time you don't like the way something preached, then the problem's not the church. The problem's with you. And nine out of ten times you'll find out if before you left the church, you would seek God's face, you'd probably find out that if the adjustment was made on your end, it would open your spiritual ears to hear from the pastor and from that pulpit again. Because the Bible plainly says, and you can't argue, you, well, you can argue the word of God, but it, it don't work. But he said himself, God has placed every member in the body, the church, the body is the church, as he sees fit. I believe if you're in a church and you love that church and you're connected to that church, I believe God has put you there. He himself placed you there. You make it say, well, yeah, but I found it and I liked it. I was invited. And I, but God had something to do with it. So to say that if you don't like one church, you go to the next, well, you can do that, but that's not the way God ordained the church. God did not ordain that. Man has created this mindset that if we get offended, then it's time to move to another church. But the last time I checked, Jesus himself said he was the rock of offense. Now, have I offended people in my life? Absolutely. Do I do it on a regular basis? Absolutely. But if I have offended you by something I've said that's my opinion, then that's my fault and I apologize. But if I have offended you, not on my opinion, but based on the truth of the word of God, and I'm preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if you're offended by that, that's not on me, that's on you. Because Jesus said, I am the rock of offense. And if you're living in sin and truth is preached, you'll either be convicted and change or offended and run away. So, you know, we are not like a chain store that, you know, we're not the, 
the 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 Walmart of Christianity. You're not going to come in here and get every everything you need from every variation. You're going to get the Word of God, which is all you need. And if you'll apply it to your life, it'll change you for the better. I promise. All right. Next question is: One person had made a comment that said that uh, a pastor, after their baby was born, held it and pronounced it to hell. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just say this. I, I don't know the backstory to that. Uh, if that person is watching tonight, I would really, really love to know the backstory to that. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was a Christian and I went and we had a, a baby, me and my wife had a child, and I took that baby to church to dedicate that baby, and that pastor uh pronounce that child to hell, I would have knocked the hell out of that pastor. You're not going to pronounce my child to hell. My children will live and not die, but proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what denomination it was. It may have been Catholic or Episcopalian or something. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like that. It's more maybe the cat. But, you know, the bottom line, you, a, a, a priest in a Catholic church or a, a, a Episcopalian or one of these, they don't have the authority to pronounce a child to heaven or to hell. You know, we can bless our children. We can dedicate our children to God. It didn't mean my children. And I know, you know, my mom and daddy probably get the biggest amen on this. I wasn't the perfect child. I, I was saved at five years old, and I, I used to sing my cute little songs at church and wear my suit and tie with my bowl haircut because that was cool in the 80s. At least we thought it was. you know. And, and I loved church, but as I got older, I, I stepped away from church, and I didn't live right, but they didn't give up on me. That didn't pronounce me to, well, you, you go into hell. Well, yeah, I probably would if I wouldn't have changed my ways. Yeah. But after a while... You know, the, the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. So when they're old, which I believe there's one, when they're mature, when you mature, you'll not depart from that truth. And that's what happened to me. When I was a child, I was taught right. But then when I got a little older and thought I was mature, you know, because when you're in your teens, you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof and you think your parents don't know anything. Um, you know, I pushed the limits, I pushed boundaries and I, I went out and, and lived like the world for a while. But when I matured, I said, wait a minute, you know, uh, enough of, of throwing your guts up after drinking a, a case of beer, uh, it don't take long to go, you know what, wait a minute, this, this ain't, this ain't right. This is stupid. But I become mature and I, it pulled me back into the things of God to say, you know what? My mom and daddy, believe it or not, was smarter than I thought they were. See, mom and dad, I just said that on, on live live air tonight. Y'all are smarter than I thought you were. So we'll, we'll keep that in the, it's in the history forever now. But you see, it's the same with my children. My children hadn't always been perfect, but they were raised in church. And I've not always been a, a godly person in front of my children. I've lost my temper. I've said things I shouldn't. But. When my children would act out, when they would begin to do things that were not of God, 
instead of pronouncing them to hell, oh, you you headed for hell. No, God, I dedicated my children at a young age to you. They're your children. They're my inheritance that you gave me, and they will preach the gospel. They'll live and not die. And I begin to pray, Father, if they put any kind of alcohol or any foreign substance to their mouth or in their body, that their bodies would immediately reject it, that it would make them sick, and they would run and flee from any immorality. And you see, both of my children now, 19 and 24, my daughter fixed to be 25, they both work in the church. They both serve God. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. But they're maturing. They're seeing that living for God pays better than living for the world. And you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, if the wages of sin is death, if sin pays wages, then living right pays. And it pays so much more than just wages, but it even pays better wages. So, you know, to that person, I, I don't, you know, there's, there's not words to adequately describe to you how, how sorry I am that some idiot that called himself a priest or a minister uh, pronounced your baby to hell. They should be, you know, di uh, their license to preach should be taken away. They should be kicked out of the pulpit and never allowed to be put back in it because your baby will not go to hell. If you teach that baby the ways of God, the Bible says when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So I don't care what that fool said, you know, your baby's not going to hell. All right, next question is, the, I guess, just people's view on God and Jesus. Yeah, um, well, that's, you know, that I think goes into, to, you know, denominational issues um, because, Everybody believes that God is sovereign. And, you know, when you look at uh, different uh, belief systems, whether it's, you know, uh, Calvinism or uh, I, I'm drawing a blank, different ones, but some just preach that God is sovereign and that's it. And, yes, God is sovereign. God don't need us. God wanted us. God is God all by himself. God didn't have to ask anybody to create the sun, to create the moon, to create the heavens and the earth. He didn't have to ask anybody. He's God all by himself. But God chose us. He wanted somebody that could enjoy the creation that he had made and that would worship him and thank him, be thankful for that. Well, God is sovereign, yes, but we're also, I believe, and the way we believe here and what we preach and teach is God is sovereign. But man, when you learn him as daddy, when you learn that God is a, a father, not just a sovereign, be yes, he's sovereign, but he's daddy. He's reachable. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it said the veil. What veil? Well, the veil that went into the Holy of Holies, only the priest could go in to that far up until Jesus died. Not everybody could go to the throne, you see. But when Jesus died, it said the veil was torn from top to bottom, and it was open so that now all could come in. You see, 
how would it be if I was a father to my children, but the only way my children could come to me and talk to me was they had to go through my wife? I would never have a relationship with my children, not one that amounted to anything. And you see, that's where I think we get a lot of people get off on religion, religion, religion. Y'all can have all the religion you want because at the end of the day, religion will fall. Religion will not stand, but relationship is what will get you into eternity. Relationship is what gives you the ability to understand that, yes, God is sovereign, but also at times, yes, God is my father. He's my daddy. And I know these people, oh, you don't call him daddy. That's irreverent. Well, you can call it irreverent if, if you want. But I've had encounters with my father, and he's call, I can call him daddy. And he's okay with it, and I'm okay with it. If he, if he can call me son, then I can call him daddy. I don't go to my earthly dad and, and say, Father, whither thou giveth me $20? You know? I don't walk up to him, Father, wouldest thou like to go get something to eat? I just say, hey, Pop, what's going on? You want to go grab something to eat? Sure, okay, well, let's go. It's still that same relationship, and I do not believe in any stretch of that, that, that example that I am disrespecting my Heavenly Father. And yes, in prayer, there's been times where I've been in his presence and I've experienced the sovereignty of God where I was, I was literally, I, I was scared to move because I didn't want it to leave, but I've also been in the presence of God in my prayer time where it was almost like God came down and sat beside me and just wrapped his arms around me and loved on me. You see, there's two different attributes that who God is, and I know them both. And you see, with Jesus, that's the whole thing of, and this kind of goes into the last one, Josh, where uh, it talks about the claims that all other gods are false, and they are. All other gods are, are little g. There's only one true living God. And that one true living God had a son, and his name was Jesus. And yes, I know literally Jesus does not live in my heart, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of me. Jesus is seated at the throne. But at the end of the day, Buddha, he died. And you can still go to his grave where they buried him, and there he lay. You know, Harry Krishna, he died. He's in a grave, and you can still go there. Muhammad, he died. He's buried, and you can still go to his grave and see him. But Jesus, he, he died. He was buried. But when you go to visit his grave, it's empty. Why? Because he was risen again. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then he ascended to his father and sat down at his right hand. Jesus is real. And everything that we do has to be Christ-centered. You know, I know Israel... Putin sung a, he, he penned a song, Jesus at the center. And it's so good because when you understand and when you keep Jesus at the center, you'll see what are true gods, what are false. And all other will fall away. There's only one true living God, and he has a son, and his name is Jesus. I think that's it. 
Well, if we don't have any more questions, I mean, it's, you know, and again, I'm not with some of what we said earlier. I'm not, I don't want people to take it that I'm, I'm uh, saying that all other churches are, are wrong and and we're the only one that's right. Uh, We may not get everything right, but I can promise you this. If I miss it, I'll apologize. And then we're going to go in the right direction. But in the direction we've been going from the time uh, that my dad founded this church, yeah, we've not done everything right. We've made mistakes. We're human. But we have never, ever seen God deny what his children have asked for. Sometimes it may not be in the form that we want. Sometimes it may not happen the way we think it should happen. But we have seen God show up. God has been faithful. And I've lived in it. I've watched it. And I've watched God do things in my life. And it's hard for me to listen to people deny that there is a God, deny that there is a Jesus, deny that there is a Holy Spirit, because I have experienced them myself, my personal testimony. I have experienced God. I believe in him. I believe that he sent his son and that his son came and died on the cross and rose again. And I believe when he ascended to heaven to sit with the Father, then they sent the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you and me, and it says he will lead us and guide us into all truth. So, Yes, there's some things that the church, and I believe what we've been going through for the last few years in our nation and all around the world, there's been some things that have been deconstructed in the church, and I believe that's a good thing. And I also believe that as that's been happening, God is raising up a remnant church that is going to preach the unadulterated, unfiltered Word of God without compromise because in the end, if you don't accept Jesus... I promise you, you're going to get to spend eternity wishing that you had. Listen, guys, we're out of time. Uh, I appreciate the crowd we had tonight. Again, if you have questions, if you even have some topics that you want us to to talk about and discuss, maybe it's been something you've heard discussed at your workplace or somewhere else, if you have that topic, you can send that to us in the comments, and we'll do our best to, to get into that at some point in time and discuss those things because they may be some things you have questions about and you may think, well, that's not important, but, you know, or that's a stupid question. But I like that old saying that the only stupid question is the one that's not answered because we'll do our best to look in the Word of God and give you exactly what the Word of God says. Hey, if you hadn't hit the like button yet, do us a favor, hit that like button. That helps us out. Share this on your social media, on your social media platforms to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You never know. One thing that is said in this podcast could change someone else's life that you're friends with, and you may not ever know it. So share that. It could change their life. We're also on all the different podcast platforms. You can go there and download those, and you can also share them. Guys, we love you. We appreciate and love our audience so much. And until next week, God bless you. And not only that, but walk in the favor of God this week like you've never experienced it before. God bless.